throughout um, the season of Lent, we've been reading from John's Gospel stories about life-changing encounters with Jesus. These stories have not been short stories, and today that is true once again. So I invite you to make yourself comfortable for our Gospel reading. The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus hath fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas who was called a twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. 
They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what he had done. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you all, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, here we are again. Well, actually, most of us not here, but rather there you are again, in your homes as we gather for worship today, as we join in our radio broadcast, or watch or listen online. Here and there and everywhere we gather for worship this day. Yet still, we are connected as the body of Christ, connected by the Holy Spirit in faith and love, as today we have just heard another long-winded story from John's Gospel. Yet a powerful story it is. Lazarus, come out. Can you imagine? I'm going to be really honest here. I can't. Then again, it's not the first miracle in John's Gospel that I have trouble wrapping my mind around. Our story today is the seventh miracle story John tells in his Gospel. You remember the first, Jesus changing water into wine at the wedding at Cana. Then there was a healing of a royal official's son. Then a healing of a paralytic. Then, remember, feeding the 5,000. Oh, and then Jesus walking on water, then Jesus healing a man born blind. We heard that story just last week. And today, miracle number seven. But really, John, the gospel writer, would prefer that we call them signs rather than miracles. 
because each story is a sign that points to Jesus as the Messiah. And this story, this sign today, that is the raising of Lazarus, plays a truly significant role in John's Gospel, in that it takes place only days before the Passover. Only days before the Passover, only days before Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, only days before what we will celebrate next Sunday on Palm Sunday, only days before Jesus' final days. This story, this sign points to Jesus as the Messiah, and it foreshadows his own impending death. And because we know the story, it foreshadows his own resurrection, too. The raising of Lazarus was really the last straw for the authorities, for those who had a vested interest in the structures of power that existed in their world. Jesus was acting out of place, and too many people were believing in him. But the powers that be religious economic, political, the powers that Jesus spoke out against for their injustice, for their negligence, for their lack of concern and compassion, those powers plotted against him, plotted to silence him. Our gospel story, the raising of Lazarus, leads directly to Jerusalem, directly to the cross, directly to their attempt to silence Jesus to next Sunday, Palm Sunday, to Holy Week, to Good Friday. And because we know the story, to Easter Sunday, too. This story, the raising of Lazarus, is also a turning point in John's Gospel. The first half of John is all about the signs that point to Jesus as the Messiah. The second half is the last week of Jesus' life the unfolding of his passion of love and defiance against the powers that would keep us and others and the world in any kind of bondage. Lazarus, come out! Jesus cries with a loud voice filled with grief and love. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem, heading to his own tomb, heading to his own experience of death, walking the path of suffering, betrayal, denial, isolation. But where the world places a period, God creates a comma. Our UCC sisters and brothers have adopted that theme, reinterpreted now as God is still speaking. Where the world puts a period, God creates a comma. Such is the promise of Resurrection, such is the promise we proclaim at every baptism. God, who is rich in mercy and love, gives us a new birth into a living hope. God delivers us from sin and death and raises us to new life in Jesus Christ. No matter what will come in this life, God promises to continue to make us anew. This is our baptismal promise. Lazarus come out. But my favorite part of the story is what Jesus says next. Unbind him and let him go. Because while Jesus sets Lazarus free from the tomb, from death, for us from anything that might bury us, 
guilt, shame, hopelessness, isolation, depression, loss, addiction, pain, while Jesus sets Lazarus free from the tomb. Lazarus is still bound, and he needs his family and his friends to unbind him. Lazarus unbound. This story doesn't just reveal God's power to make new, it also reveals our power and our calling to participate in the unbinding of our sisters and brothers. The work of the church is to help unbind one another, to unbind those around us. I know that technically we are only about a week into our safer at home social distancing protocol. But I imagine that some of you, maybe all of us to some extent, are feeling a little bit like Lazarus, bound up, entombed, really in our own isolation. If we're working from home and haven't done so before, we are radically adjusting everything, how we meet and plan and communicate, not to mention how we negotiate boundaries between work time and home time, which easily slides into just constant work time. Some of us are suddenly not in school every day, not able to see our friends, not sure how to keep motivated or feel engaged when all our planned activities and events have been canceled. Some of us are working at home and trying to care for and support and encourage our children who are now at home too. And some of us just wish we could be working in any capacity and are really worried about how we will financially manage these next weeks, worried it might be months. And such worry, such isolation can feel like grave clothes wound tightly around us, binding us up. And then if you're like me, and you start to imagine the truly devastating circumstances that so many in our world are facing, it can feel like human life has been punctuated by the biggest period imaginable. But I remind you, I remind myself, we remind one another that in a weird sort of way, we are actually choosing to bind ourselves in the tomb for a while. Now, for the sake of each other and every one of our human sisters and brothers, for the sake of our medical and healthcare system, for the sake of love and compassion, we are choosing to stay at home, to give up some of our freedom. We are choosing to be bound. And in choosing this collective binding, not only do we share the burden of its weight, we are also deeply connected through it. And in spite of our physical isolation, we are learning new ways of spiritual and emotional unbinding through phone calls and virtual visits, through kind messages and little reminders to others that they are not forgotten. Through these, we are practicing unbinding as we sew masks and support local businesses and agencies in creative ways, as we make donations as we are able, as we are generous with our dollars and generous with our attention we practice unbinding. And the power and promise of God 
turns a period into a comma. God breathes new life into us. For in every way we help unbind another, we are also unbound. At the end of the day, at the end of each of these days to come, I encourage you to entrust the work you have done and all that you haven't into God's care. Let the peace of Christ be a gift to you. Entrust to God your fears, your worries, your uncertainties. Allow yourself to rest and expect that new life will come. For we are resurrection people, and God breathes new life into us. For we are bound together in our service and love, and we continue to be unbinders in and for the world. Thanks be to God for you.